Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Well, fantastic worship team and even more fantastic production team. God bless you. That's no fun in the midst of all kind of struggles, but y'all did an excellent job. And if that's, the, if that's all the enemy's got, bring it, baby. <laughs> you, you can turn off the microphone. I promise I can yell loud enough. There, in fact, right here, this is why we come. We come to hear and read God's word. Of course, we worship. God bless you guys for uh-uh. <laughs> All right, let's just give the, those folks, if you could have seen the steam rising from the back of the auditorium, they were working like crazy. Well, God bless you guys. Excellent job. And not a moment too soon. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, I guess the, uh, the, the, whether it's a computer or the, or the overhead projector, it decided it was the end of the year. It's time to take a break. We'd already talked about doing our last service of the year outside. I guess it got its dates wrong and had kind of shut down for 2021. You got you got like 30 more minutes and you get like a 10-day break, okay? <laughs> Join us next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, this is the last Sunday of Advent. We have four candles lit. There's only one candle to go until Christmas. We are so excited. All month long, we've been walking through the themes of Advent. Remember, Advent, that's that time of anticipation when we're looking forwards to what is, or better said, who is to come. We've talked about the, the hope of, of uh, the joy of 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 Advent. We talked about the preparation of Advent. We talked about the hope of Advent. And today we're talking about the love of Advent. That is, I believe, the most important theme of the entire Advent season. So I'm so excited to dig in with it, but I, I need a little help, a little audience participation. Finish this sentence. Ready? And, and you can really call out. Jimmy's super excited about this part because he finally is allowed to talk during church. Love, I love blank. Scream it out. I love what? Jesus. Oh, good, Jimmy. Good for a sense. What else? I love family. Good. I love tacos. Actually, I was waiting for tacos. I was going with cheeseburgers, but whatever. I love Christmas. I love my pastors. I, yeah, that should have been, yeah, in the top 10 at least. I love, good. So all these things are things that we love, right? What is the common denominator about all these things? Here's the problem. There is none. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's yummy, delicious tacos or, or pizza or burgers. Sometimes it's, it's someone who's up front. Sometimes it's someone very close to us, our, our family. Sometimes it's important things. Sometimes it's not so important things. The really, the only common denominator among all the things we screamed out or thought of in that moment was they are all loved. So love is a common denominator. Well, here's the next question. What is love? Gee, that's a hard one. Especially in 2021, if there were ever a word that was overused, if there was ever a word that had been watered down, if there was ever a, a word that had been miscommunicated or misunderstood because it was used not too little but too much, it is the word love. What in the world does love mean? Is it a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is it a decision? What is love? Well, that's what we're going to try to get after. Here's the problem with the whole concept of love is uh, it, it's not something that you can teach or not something that you can learn. Love is not born in us. It's not innate. It's not an instinct. We have to learn it. It is, in fact, a learned behavior. But the problem is you can't teach love, at least not with books or, or classrooms. You can't teach it that way. Love has to be learned through observation. 
Love has to be learned through experience. Love is not taught, but it is caught. You know that old saying, and that is true. And it is best caught at a very young age. Children learn love best in, in a home where, where love is lived out and demonstrated and, and they experience love by mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. They experience that. And in our world, you'll find all kinds of, well, we'll call them adults for lack of a better word, but, but human beings over the age of 18, not all, not all of them are acting like adults, but human beings over the age of 18 running around that never learned that kind of healthy, positive, biblical love as children. And so now they're wandering around, not able to give the love that we read about in the Bible and they're, 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 they're falling on their faces and they're, they're, they're not sharing love and they're not passing that on to the next generation and generation for generation for generation, we're having families grow up without true, biblical, unconditional love. Here's my proposition. What if, what if God right now, 2021, wanted to use you and me no, I mean specifically, New Hope Church, not like Christians in general. I mean you and me. What if God wanted to use you and me, this church, to, to open kind of like a, a, a ministry of love, a, a, a school of love, but not with classrooms and books to read, but experientially, where you and I began living out in front of experientially the kind of love that we read about in God's Word. So that these folks that have been struggling with what love really means, what true love really looks like, would understand it, be able to pick it up. Well, what in the world would that look like? How, how would we do that? What, what kind of textbooks would we use? Well, I got one in mind, but there's also some models I have in mind. Of course, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you know the right answer to every single question ever asked in Sunday school is... Jesus, exactly right. Well, he is also the right answer today. <laughs> Jesus is our model, obviously. He expressed love. He demonstrated love. He showed love better than any human being who ever lived. But what did we just say? I mean, we just said that love is not taught. It's not learned in books. It's, it's caught from our parents. Well, who was, who was Jesus' parents? Well, of course, the easy answer is the heavenly father up in heaven, and that is true. But he also had an earthly mother. Now, it may not be the case in your life. It certainly is in my life. But I, I can't imagine growing up not knowing, experiencing, observing, living the love of my mother. That is where I learned love, of course, from my father as well. But that's where I experienced love. And I, I argue that Jesus, of course, he got it from his heavenly father. Of course, he was also God, so he got it there. But I believe much of what he experienced, expressed, and lived and taught and lived out in front of the others and that we're reading about today, he learned from his mother, Mary. We're going to look at her life. In fact, there's, there's a brief little bit in the, in the book of Luke where, where she actually breaks into song. And in this song, I think we're going to understand better what, what love really looks like. Let me, let me give you a little bit of backstory, then we're going to read the text in just a minute, especially now because we have the screen. The, the, the story is this. You remember the story? Uh, she, uh, she'd been visited by the angel, kind of blew her mind, little bitty 15, 16-year-old girl, just barely, just barely engaged to a guy, uh, and then all excited about what life going to look like. Then the angel comes and says, no, no, we're going we're to actually start a little bit differently. And, and by that, he meant completely differently than anyone who'd ever started. You're going to uh, go ahead and, and have a baby first and then get married. But don't worry, God's the father. And it was mind-blowing to her. But her answer was, after hearing all of this crazy talk from an angel who was, she was scared to death, was her, her, her answer to all that was, as you wish. 
when she said that, all of history knew this girl is different. Anyone else would have said, are you crazy? Anyone else would have run out the door? Anyone else would have been running to friends for help? Help me figure this out. This can't be true. And she's, her answer was, as you wish. Then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth as she's walking in the door. No one could have known what happened to her. There was no telephone and there was certainly no cell phone. She hadn't texted Elizabeth. You'll never believe what happened to me last night. I'm coming over tomorrow. I'll tell you all about it. There was none of that. She knocks on the door, walks in the door. Elizabeth, who is also, by the way, pregnant by a miracle of God. She was beyond the normal childbearing years. She was pregnant with her own baby about six months in. She feels this jumping in her belly and says, Oh my goodness, the spirit in me has just told me that it's because you, the mother of my Lord, has just walked in the door. That the baby inside me, the great preparer. Remember we talked about John the Baptist preparing the way. The great preparer is jumping for joy. You are the mother of my Lord. And that blows her mind even more. And then in this emotion, in this incredibly unusual experience for a little teenage girl, she breaks into song. And the words of this song are so incredible. They're well beyond her years of maturity, well beyond her years of experience with the word of God. And yet she, she speaks words of truth in this song that I believe show us a, a beautiful window into her spirit, a window into her soul, a window into her heart to demonstrate what love is going to look like as she loves on her boy, and that boy, in turn, loves on all of mankind, womankind, for the rest of time. So let's, let's dig into this little lullaby. In fact, I was kind of laughing to myself, thinking about this being a, a lullaby. She may, have, she may have broken into the song as a lullaby. Let's, let's read it and, and see what we find. If you have your Bible, again, like Pastor Chuck said, you can aim it at the, uh, at the screen or you can read it up there on the big screen. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Mary's song. We're just going to read a few verses of it. And Mary said, My soul glorifies, or your version might say, magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's just stop right there. The song, the song goes on, but this is the only chunk we're going to be able to get to today. Uh, uh, picture in your mind for a moment Mary holding little baby Jesus. It, it may have been that first night. may have been after things calmed down a little bit. The, the donkeys had kind of gone to bed. She starts singing lullabies to Jesus. I, I wonder if this is one of the lullabies she sang. Do you remember what, what lullabies your mom sang to you? maybe too many years ago. Do you remember the, the lullabies you sang to your kids? I, I remember one. Uh, Hush, little baby. Don't say a word. Daddy's going to buy you a mockingbird. If that mockingbird don't sing, Daddy's going to buy you a diamond ring. That's right. And then we were in Germany, and so we thought it'd be good to learn some of the German lullabies. I don't recommend this, especially if your children speak German. It might scare them. The one I sang quite often was this. Hopfer, uh, hopfer, reiter. Wenn er fällt, dann schreit er, fällt er in die Graben, fressen die Raben, fällt er in den Sumpf, mag der Reiter plumps. Not a very happy <laughs> lullaby. In fact, the words are uh, roughly translated, uh, just so you'll know why it's important not to sing this to your child. Uh, it's as if your child is riding on a horse. The, the gallop, gallop, little rider. If you fall, you'll start screaming. If you fall in a ditch, 
The ravens are going to come and peck at your flesh. If you fall in the swamp, you're going to sink like a stone. Happy little lullaby. You probably will want to skip over that one as you're singing to your children. Well, I mean, in Germany, that's how it is. If uh, life is hard, you have to get harder. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but let's look into that. Obviously, Mary's lullaby was nothing like that. <laughs> Mary's lullaby was beautiful. Let's dig into that exactly, understand what she was saying. Because in this lullaby, we're seeing the words that would show us a beautiful picture of what love looks like. I believe she was teaching, even in this song, what love looks like to her own son, who then in turn taught that to us. So, so let's dig into this. I believe there's four key principles just in this first couple verses of this. Look, look first of all, uh, verse 46, one more time. And Mary said, my soul magnifies or, or glorifies the Lord. Uh, that word magnify is important. That word magnify means to, to make large, or to make great, or, or, or to make mega. Actually, it's the word mega in Greek. That's a Greek word, mega. So to make something mega. So, so what is he making mega? My soul makes mega the Lord. Now hold on a second. The Lord is mega. You remember his name from the Old Testament, I am, which really means I was, I am, I will be. There's nothing you, nothing I, nothing Mary can do to make him more mega than he is. He is mega. That is, by definition, who he is. He is the mega one. So what in the world is he saying? She's saying, I will make you more mega? That is impossible. He is as mega as any being could ever be. What is this talking about? And yet it says that, I will make you mega. Well, here's the deal. She or I or you, we cannot make God more mega in the universe. He's as mega as they come and even more than we could ever imagine. What she's saying is, I will make you mega in my life. We babies, when we, when we come into the world as babies, we are the center of our universe. If you've never had a child, wait till you have one. You'll understand what I'm saying. That baby and that baby's little, little tiny, little undeveloped brain, it, he or she is the center of the universe. I am hungry, so I will scream until I am fed. I am sleepy, so I will scream until I get to sleep. My pants are full, I will scream until you clean me up. I am the center of the universe, and I want someone to come help me now. But as we grow... As we mature, we learn to, to lessen our needs and to make space for others and other people's needs and other things in our life. Uh, let, me, let me show you uh, what that might have looked like for God at, at the very beginning. Uh, just imagine for a minute what this would look like. Imagine for a minute that your life is perfect. Just let that soak in. Your life is perfect in every way. You never suffer in a, you're in a wonderful relationship with someone who loves you and, ladies, and someone who understands you. Yeah, let that soak in for a minute. And nothing ever goes against your will. Now, you pondering that for a moment? You can imagine what that's like. Many of us can't even imagine what that's like. That's exactly what it was like before God introduced human beings to this world. He lived in perfect harmony in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
everything he said, everything he wanted, everything he did was in complete harmony with every other being in existence. And then he had the crazy idea of introducing a bunch of yous and me's into that uh, uh, equation, and it messed everything up. But young couples know exactly what that's like. Young married couples, they get married, and, and, and they, they love being together. There's a honeymoon, and there's a post-honeymoon that goes weeks and months, and, and sometimes even years. They get the little little apartment just the way they want it. They, they get their schedule and their food and their, their, their vacations. Everything just the way they want is perfect for the two of them. And then one of them has a crazy idea to introduce a little tiny terrorist into the equation. And the, that, that baby explodes on their perfect, tranquil little lives, and nothing is ever the same. That is a sacrifice when we, when we magnify anyone or anything else other than ourselves, when we make room for anyone or anything else in our lives. That's what love is all about. It is a sacrifice. We cannot be like babies screaming that my demands are met and that my needs are met. Remember the... the, the uh, the creation story back in the book of Genesis. Humankind, man and woman, they weren't uh, created till, till later in the story. Uh, chapter, uh, day six. What was going on the first five days? What, what was God doing those first five days? He, he was creating what? Help me here. Uh, sun and stars, light, dark, fishies, yeah, animals, birds. Uh, trees, bushes, everything else, and then finally gets to say, what were those first five days about before he introduced humankind into this equation, into the world? What were those first five days about? Young mommies, you'll know exactly what it was. He was nesting. He was getting everything ready. He was preparing the, the baby room. He was picking out colors. He was picking out just the right bed. He was even picking out the theme. You know, the Holy Spirit said, hey, how about a dinosaur theme? It's going to be a boy after all. And Jesus like, no, no, he'll be scared. And God said, I got just this thing. We're going to do a Garden of Eden theme. He'll love it. And he did. And he introduced Adam, and nothing was ever the same. S love means sacrifice. There's no way we can remain as selfish as inwardly focused, as, as, as jealous of our own time, our own things, our own wants and dreams and wishes, and at the same time show love. We must understand that love is sacrifice. Also, we must understand, like Mary did, that love involves humility. Look at verse 47. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. This is important. Uh, their love is also showing humility, being mindful of her humble state. This word mindful means to, to look carefully at. Actually, it's, it's used most often in the Greek world and even in the Bible as a, as a medical examination, but, but in a very positive way, to, to look, to care after, to be concerned about someone, but to look deeply into a close, close examination. God had done that with Mary, this 15, 16-year-old little girl. He had looked very carefully for all the girls and very carefully at Mary's life, he knew exactly what she was, he, he knew exactly who she was, and he knew exactly who she was getting, and Mary never forgot that. She knew where she came from, she knew who she was. She was a girl, she was poor, she had a simple life, and she was uneducated. In the culture of that day, that was the bottom rung of the entire ladder. In fact, in those days, she was worth less than a slave. Teenagers, 
God loves taking the teenagers. God loves taking the young people. Look at Esther in the Old Testament. Uh, even Jesus, when he was talking to the, to, the, to the religious leaders in the temple when he was only 12 years old. Uh, little David, the shepherd boy. God loves to take those teenagers, those young people. People had counted them out because they're just crazy teenagers. People had not even looked at them yet because we'll wait till they get old enough and mature enough. People, people hadn't even considered them because they got their mind on other things. And God had looked. He, had thought, he was mindful of. He carefully examined. He said, I want that one. And she knew it. We all start on that, on that bottom simple rung. God's looked at us. You think, you, think, you think this church is full of the superstars? Like God looked throughout all Cape Coral and said, okay, I'm going to need a winning team. I'm only going to take the superstars, the heavy hitters, the best guys and gals I can find. Sorry to break your, sorry to break your, your bubble there, but, but that ain't how it works. God chose you because he didn't want to show you off he wanted to show himself off through you. And so he chooses those guys and gals on that bottom rung. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote an incredible book. Actually, every book C.S. Lewis wrote is an incredible book. I highly recommend it. In fact, uh, uh, Pam and Charlie are walking through one of those books right now in their small group. Uh, an incredible writer. But one of those books specifically talks about love. And he talks about that, that bottom rung, that, that entry-level kind of love. He talks about the four loves. In fact, that's, that's the title of the book, The Four Loves. That, that entry-level kind of love, and then as it takes this progression all the way up to, to masters and even doctor-level love, that, that agape, unconditional love that we read about in the Bible that is God's love. But it starts there at the beginning. In fact, let me just walk through these, see if you, see if you can find yourself in this list. Maybe you're still at that entry level. Maybe you're already at level two or three. Maybe you're already at that level four. But let's, let's look at it real quick. The first level of that love that C.S. Lewis describes is what's called the love of the familiar. That's things that we know or we're comfortable with. For little bitty babies, it would probably be the mommy's face. Probably be the, the father's voice. We're familiar with our favorite foods. We're familiar with our, our, our own house or our, our comfy chair, our favorite pair of jeans, our routine. We're, we're in love with that which we know, the familiar. That's entry-level kind of love. That's focused on me and what I want, what I feel comfortable with. Anyone can pull that off, even a six-month-old baby. Hurrah if you're there. Let's move on to level two, eros love. Now it's getting interesting. You've probably heard that word somewhere. We have our English word erotica from that word. Yes, it's physical love. love. It's even sexual love, but it's even so much more than that. C.S. Lewis goes into this. It's, it's that love for anything that is beautiful, anything that is desirable, anything that, that is wanted or, or, or worthy of your desire, anything that attracts you and is lovable. Again, this is, this is more than that entry-level kind of love because you're involved with another person, but it's still very inwardly focused. What, what that guy, what that girl can give me or, or the pleasure that I receive in this relationship. That's level one and two. Now we get to level three. Now we begin looking outside of ourselves. Philios or philia love. love. That's that brotherly love. You probably heard about it. Philadelphia is named after this love, this, the, the city of brotherly love, brothers and, and family, people that are close to us. Yes, we're looking outside of ourselves, but it's only with people we trust, only with people we know. Although Jesus did say this, no greater love, Phileas, has anyone than this, but they would lay down their life 
for a friend. So Jesus celebrates this kind of love. That's the kind of love we celebrate inside the church between brothers and sisters. This is already focusing outwards. But of course, that, that home run kind of love, the, the graduate level kind of love is that agape love that we talk about all the time here in church. That's that God love, that unconditional love, that no strings attached kind of love, the kind of love that, that God pulls off and, and maybe on a really good day you and I can pull off as human beings. But this is the goal. This is completely outward focused, looking to the needs and the concerns and the dreams of somebody else than ourselves. This is where that till death do us part kicks in. This is where that in sickness and in health kicks in. This is where that raising a, a mentally, physically, emotionally handicapped child kicks in. This is that love that in no way focuses on my need or my time schedule, but focuses on someone else. In his book, C.S. Lewis writes this about this kind of love. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the coffin of your selfishness. But in that coffin, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to the tragedy of a broken heart is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. We are called to love, but that begins with a humble spirit starting on that bottom rung of that progression of love. We all start at the same place. Every single baby born to man and woman starts at the same place, but we grow, we mature until one day, Lord willing, we are at that agape stage. If you are not yet at that stage, there's work to do in 2022. Number three, she understood that love involves influence. Look at verse 48. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 16-year-old girl. Where does she get off? How does she know? What does she know? She's 16. How does she know anything unless God had already told her? Everything this girl knows about God, she'd been told from the Spirit, from God himself, from his word. She had been like a sponge soaking up every experience that she had. This word blessed means, is that old Greek word that we've talked about before, makoriai, it means happy. And it's not saying like, I proclaim you happy because you've taken over the big job of watching out for my boy. I'm gonna boom, zap you with happiness. That's not at all what the Bible says. He's saying, in looking at your life, in understanding, because remember, he just did that close examination in closely examining your life, I see that you are truly happy. You are truly blessed. And generation after generation after generation, all the way to 2021 in Cape Coral, Florida, they'll be talking about you as blessed. That is her legacy. I got a question. What will your legacy be? What will they call you in a generation or two? Will it be blessed? 
Awesome. Fantastic. I pray so. Or will future generations look back at your life and call you busy? Will they look back and call you stressed? Will they look back and call you comfortable? Will they look back and call you angry? Will they look back and say, they had the most beautiful shell collection I've ever seen? What will future generations say about you? This is your legacy. Folks, one day the only thing we're going to have left are our memories, what we did for God, who we involved for God. I was standing there as we were singing the song this morning because we had a little extra time than normal, and I had the opportunity to read some of those names. If, if you haven't been here yet, these, these beautiful wooden uh, ornaments that Mr. Al made for us, we've written the names, just the first names, but the names of our one, the people we're praying for, that we're inviting, that we're bringing to God, and we're bringing to church. I mean, you could, you could see the tears, you could see the passion in every letter that is written in those names, people that have been praying all year long. For Frank and Joe and Bob and Dave, I pray, I pray that our influence would be that she understood that because she was being uh, obedient to God's will and saying yes to him, that would be her legacy. Folks, this is the mark of every, it should be the mark of every believer, true love, that people see us. In fact, uh, John even says this way, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. That's all we have to do. If we can just pull that off, just love the guy or the gal in the row with you. You don't even have to love your crazy neighbor that has nothing to do with God. If you just love the other believers, the world will know that you are my disciples, and that will be your legacy. What will your legacy be? What influence will you have? And then finally, gratitude. Verse 49 says this, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She never got tired of saying thank you. She knew exactly who she was. She knew where she had come from. He has done great things. She never forgot what he had done for her personally. She never forgot what he had done for her people, the Israelites. In fact, it, we didn't read the whole song, but if you were to read the entire song, I give you that for homework. But when you read the entire song, you'll find no less than 12 12 references back to the Old Testament scriptures. This little 15, 16-year-old girl who was not allowed to attend Hebrew school like the boys, like maybe she had brothers like the others in her family that were males, but somehow she knew at least 12 Old Testament references of how God had faithfully provided for, protected, cared for her people. On top of that, she's thanking God for what he had done in her life personally. She never got tired of saying thank you. That, that demonstration of gratitude is so much an important part of love that she was demonstrating in the very song that she's singing to her little baby as a lullaby. Don't forget to say thank you. Don't forget to show gratitude. Remember where you came from. Remember what God did for you. Remind yourself how good you have it because God is in your corner. Romans 5, 8 says it this way. God demonstrates his love in this, that while David while Danny, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. God has been demonstrating his love. That is what he has done for us. The gratitude that we have for that alone should fill up the rest of the days of our life. God loves us. Folks, Mary is an example. 
if God can use this little 15, 16-year-old teenage girl to do the incredible things he does, and then on top of all that, teach our Lord and Savior how to love better, I believe you and I can pull off the same thing. God is calling us to be the, the, the professors of love, the doctors of love, if you will, in our community. Our friends and our neighbors, even our family members are, are lacking. They are in love. They are illiterate. We have the truth of God's word. It is now on us to live out, demonstrate, show the kind of biblical love that changed our hearts. The hope we have found, we now share with the world. Let's pray. Father God, we do pray for that. We do thank you, first of all, for that. That we have this uh, love that lasts not only for a day or even for a lifetime, but for an eternity. And because you loved us even before we knew you, we now have the opportunity to become your children. God, thank you for that. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives. And God, I pray that we as believers, we would take our role seriously as the instructors and the models, even role models of what godly biblical love looks like. God, that our lives would be different. Our families would be different. Our conversations would be different. Our hearts would be different than that which we see in the world so that others would be drawn to you and what true love really looks like. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful Advent season that reminds us of the importance of true love. We do love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.